What if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance and risks a fall. Others say why. If answers why not. Dare to take action. If starts with a thought. One little if in one little me. To fight the current, to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when. If says now. From here to there. If is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith. Gets back up, goes back to work, sets the pace. So now I'll start, I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay. Sees the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow. Show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, just a step, growing old without regret. Tell me now, what's your what if? What will it take to scale the cliff? You have the vision, make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start, and then the time has come to dream again. Who knows what a day will bring? What if this changes everything? Wow, what if? What if this is a day? What if this is? Wow. You have your Bible, um, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. I'll be there in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, let's make our confession today because we are hungry. We're open to what God would say to us today. So hold your Bible up, your smartphone, your iPad, wherever you have, and let's make this confession today. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. We're in a new series called What If. We started last week. We said, what if we really believe this New Testament? What if last week we said, what if we take bold steps of faith and expect God to do something? And so I know some of you took bold steps of faith this week. And today I want to look at another what if. What if we worked as a team to bring people to Jesus? It's only 41 days till Easter. Say 41. There's a little Easter clock out there when you come in. Look at that every day you come onto campus. If you want to join us for noon prayer, we pray here uh, Monday through um, Thursdays at noon prayer. We'd love to have you come into the sanctuary. There's always music because we know that Easter is a time when everybody, almost everybody, looks for a place to go to church. Um, you know, Easter and Christmas. And so um, even the world is cooperating with us to be able to invite people to Easter. So we have 41 days till Easter. So what if we worked as a team to bring people to Jesus? And this Easter was one of the biggest Easters of lives changed. 
Not numbers of people that come to church, but of lives changed. Everybody needs to know Jesus. Everybody needs to know Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no hope in this world or eternity. The Christian who doesn't care about the lost is really saying, I don't care about you. You can go to hell for all I care. I mean, if, we're not, if we don't care about the lost, we're just saying it's only, I'm only concerned about me and I'm not concerned about you. And the alternative is we don't by default go to heaven and people that are lost spend eternity without the Lord. Look at this verse uh, there at the top of your notes. Read it with me. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's read it again. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In this passage today in Mark, Mark tells us a story about four men who brought their friend to Jesus. They weren't going to be, uh, keep, let anything keep this man away from Jesus because he was lame and there was nothing they could do for him, but they believed if they could get him to Jesus. And I, and I think we all should have that heart, that if, if someone's here today and they're a friend of ours or they care for us, and if they need healing, uh, if they're going through a tough time in their life, tough time wherever it is, that we need to simply say, you know what, today there's only one thing that can make a difference in their life is somehow that we can get them to Jesus. So turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to read uh, the first um, First five verses, but we'll look at uh, up till verse uh, thir- 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And he's in Simon Peter's house. We, that's what we believe. Soon the house where he was staying, underline this, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even, the, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, you see, the thing that drew them was the preaching of God's word, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. When they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And uh, when we look at this passage, he, Mark's telling us this story. Jesus has come back to Capernaum, and it's standing room only. Uh, houses back then, the doors would swing in. And it was a common uh, thing that happened. If you walked by somewhere and the door was open, you didn't have to have an invite. It was just because the door was open, you were invited to come in and to be there. And so it's at Peter's house. Jesus is there. He's been doing some miracles. And now it's wall-to-wall people on the inside. There's an overflow of the crowd outside. It was so jam-packed that you couldn't get one more person in if you had a shoehorn. It was just that crowded and that packed. People standing behind, trying to look over everybody else, trying to hear, because they wanted to be where Jesus was. I love this story because it's a story of four men who worked as a team. Say team. They worked as a team to bring their friend to Jesus. 
And that's what this church is all about. We can't, none of us, none of us, it's not about any of us bringing somebody to Jesus by ourselves. But it's a team effort. Just think about the team <clears throat> that's already been working this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had people uh, preparing this handout, making sure it's right. Uh, Andrian, her AV team, sitting down and make sure everything was, was right with the PowerPoints they have up there compared with what's on the notes. And then we had some ladies come in, and they take all of these things and they stuff them in there. Every week, they stuff, stuff those in, and they pray over this guide that you hold in your hand. And then there are others that come in, and they uh, make sure that the connection cards are in the back. Uh, everything is in the back. And then on Saturday morning, there's a group that meets here every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, and they pray. They begin praying over all the connection cards, over all the prayer requests. And uh, if you'll take out a connection card, I really want you to be sure you fill this out today, because I know there's some people that you're going to be bringing to Easter and inviting to Easter. So be sure to put their name on there. So Saturday morning, when we get here Saturday morning, there'll be a little short devotional about prayer, and then we'll worship in song, and then we'll pray over all these prayer requests. We'll call out these names individually to the Lord. Why? Because we're a team. If, if the Lord has laid somebody on your heart, then it's not just you working, but behind the scenes, there's a group of people that are praying, and you're invited to come to Saturday prayer. You don't have to be an expert. Nobody's an expert in prayer. We're just hungry for God. We're just hungry to see people brought to Jesus because we believe Jesus is the answer. <clears throat> and then you invite or bring your friend. You invite them or bring them, bribe them. If you come, I'll take you out to breakfast or Second service, if you come, I'll take you out to lunch, whatever. But you do your part because you know people that I don't know. You know people that you work with that are unchurched, that don't go to church anywhere. Who are you inviting? Every week, who are you inviting? And then when they get here, the first area of ministry on a Sunday morning is the great men and women in the parking lot. They're also our first line of security. They're, they've been trained. They know what to look for. That's the first line of security and safety out there in the parking lot. So if you'd say to me, where's an area where I could make the biggest intra invest into the Sunday service, I would say you need to take out your connection card and say, sign me up. I want to work in the parking lot. I want to be the first smile that people see. Can you imagine? You know how it is when you get, start driving to church. You get along all week long. But then something happens, and you're arguing with your wife, you're arguing with your kids, you know, and you, you try, you know, and, and then when you park, you put on your smiley Jesus face and act like nothing has happened. But when we have smiling people in the parking lot directing you, all of a sudden, it just changes everything. Or if they see a mom or a dad get out of the car that have kids, they say, hey, that's our learning center over there. Would you like me to walk over there? Would you like for me to help you over there? Can you see how that changes the whole atmosphere? And then when they get over to Kid City, there's somebody standing there that's in, on the security safety team. And, uh, it just, it just, and they check you in. And, uh, and they won't let you go just wherever you want. Why? Because that's a secure lockdown facility over there that we care about your kids. So, so then what happens is parents are able to come in here and not be distracted by their kids. Now, we love kids. 
And I don't mind you bringing your kids. And if your kids start making a little bit noise, I don't mind you getting up real quickly and going out into the foyer and standing out there and watching it on the screen. But I'm thinking, why would you bring your child in here when we have a state-of-the-art facilities next door, great rocking chairs, and everything else that's over there? So I'm thinking, man, I'm going to bring my kids over there and put them over there. And everyone over there has passed a background check. We don't just let anybody work over there. You have to have a back. So that sets a standard for people that you invite that they feel comfortable when they come in here. And so when they come in the building, they're the greeters. Outside the door, not just at the door, hi, how are you today? Handing you a Sunday experience guide, which is sort of like the program that lets you know what's going on. And then there's the refreshment people and the information tables that are there. And then the ushers come in. Uh, are you with somebody? Could I help you to find a seat? Where, where could we get you to seat? Uh, would, you, would you sit here? And, and they want to take care of you. And then you'll find that somebody will come around and say, hi, my name is, and, and you see, every Sunday, when you see somebody sitting by themselves and look like they don't know where they're going, we're a team. So what do you do? Your assignment is go introduce yourself and, and meet them because we're creating an atmosphere as a team. That happens before I ever get here. I'm the last shot. But you've already created the atmosphere from the parking lot to here. You've already created the atmosphere from Saturday morning prayer. And then the AV team has everything ready. The words up here so we can look at it. And it really doesn't matter if you sing the words or not. You see the words and you hear the words and they get into your spirit. And then the worship team, they've been, man, don't we have a great worship team? Ah, oh, man, it's awesome. Awesome. Oh, wow. And Alex, a new team member up here today. Man, that was awesome. Well, oh, we have room for you. So they're creating this. They're creating an atmosphere for God's praise. And then we get to the time when I bring the teaching and I'm the, I'm the last one up. So if you don't do your job well as a team, everything is ruined. I'm not a miracle worker, but we're working as a team. So I'm telling you from that, that parking lot to where we are here, people make up a mind whether they're going to come back to the church or like the church in the first seven to ten minutes. And then they get the teaching. And then I get ready to give the invitation. And if you've brought somebody with you, before, when I start preaching, you know what you pray? Oh, God, please help him not to say anything embarrassing today. <laughs> Lord, please, please help him to get in there. Please help him to get through on time because I told him he'd do about 35 minutes. So, Lord, please, please help him. And then when I get to the altar invitation, you've been praying for them. You've been investing in them. You've been inviting them. And all of a sudden, you know what? It's not just me giving the invitation, but we're a team. You're silently praying. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, bring them in. They need you. They need you. They need you in their marriage. And we work at that as a team. It's not just one person. So tonight is, te is team night. So you need to be here and find out where you can place on this team because I can't do this by myself. First of all, you don't pay me enough to do it by myself. And second of all, there's nobody good enough that they can do it by themselves. It's all of us, folks. If he's not willing that any should perish, then what if we worked as a team bringing people to Jesus? Let me share with you real briefly this morning the characteristics of a bringing team. Say a bringing team. Number one, we care enough to get involved. We care enough to get involved. Are you involved or are you just sitting back? Are you a spectator? Where do you serve on a team? 
What team can count on you? Or you just come every morning just to press in, find a place to seat. Said the four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat or on a rug. In other words, they said, you know, we've got to do something for our friend. He's lame. He can't get to Jesus by himself. How many people do you think you're surrounded with on your job that are lame? Many of them are blind. The scripture said Satan hath blinded their minds, hath blinded them to perceive the gospel. And you may be the person that God has put in your place, on your job, where you work. That God is saying, I don't want them to perish, and I have strategically put you there. Some of you are saying, man, why am I working with all these heathen? Why can't I work with somebody that doesn't use a bad word every other word? Because Jesus doesn't want them to perish, and he has enough confidence in you that as a teacher, member, he can say, I'm going to assign you to them, and I want you to do everything you can to be a witness, to live a life, and then invite them. Bring them to church. So here it is. So here, here it is. They, uh, they, they bring their friend. They pick him up on the mat. They've got the mat, and they pick it up, and, 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 they, and they bring him on the mat. Each have a four corner, one of the corners, and they get there to the house, and um, the religious people got there early, and they're sitting, and everybody else is there. So it's like this. They, they come up to the door, and everybody uh, is looking into the house, and they're listening to Jesus, and uh, it, it's sort of like this, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's good, Jesus. Yeah, let me write that down. Make sure I get that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's good. Man, I'm glad I'm here. How about you? Yeah, I'm glad I'm here too. Man, I'm, boy, it's just, this is good, isn't it? This is good. And their back is turned to the person that needs Jesus. I wonder how many times we do that at church. Our back is to the world. We get our own language going. We, we lift our hands. We do everything else. But our back is turned to the world. All we're concerned about is, I got to get here so I can hear the music. I got to get here so I can take the notes. I got to get here so, so my spirit can get fed. And you have your back turned to the people that you live with every week. And sometimes people say, oh, I can't serve. I can't serve. I got to get here with Jesus. I, I don't want to get involved in serving. And so we turn our back to people that come to church. We don't serve. And if we do serve, sometimes we're, we're signed up to serve, but we don't show up. So what we're, ba- well, I'm just, it's just so hard. You know, this is the silliest thing I ever heard of. One hour time change and people get freaked out. It's so hard. You can go to a concert, and you can go on a concert the night before you got to get up at 5 a.m. and go to work, and you can stay out to all hours of the morning, and you still get up, and you go to the job because it's important because you make money. And so we're a bunch of wussies when it comes to one-hour time change that we think, I can't make it, or we're a bunch of wussies that say, no, I can't serve. It's too hard for me to get up. So in essence, what we're saying is I'm turning my back to people that have a need. All I'm concerned about is I can get in, find me a seat, make sure the temperature's right, make sure you left me out on time, make sure you have the notes, because it's all about me. This thing is not all about me, it's all about him, and it's all about us being part of a team. So look at your neighbor and say, where do you serve on the team? How can we call ourselves followers of Jesus if we don't get involved? I think one of the reasons is that because we don't really, really focus in on there is really only a heaven 
and a hell. And heaven is not the default. You ever, sometimes uh, those of us that are pastors, we go to somebody we don't know very well and they want us to do a funeral or a home going. And so, so we say, tell us a little about him. Well, you know, he wasn't much of a church man, but well, you know, he's in a better place now. Heck he is. If he never made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior, he's not in heaven. He's spending eternity in hell. So, so we, we get this thing made up that, well, you know, that everybody just lives a good life. No, nobody is good. None of us are good. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't no good. Look, if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Jesus, everything we do is not enough. If it was enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross for our sins. None of us are good. We're all lost without Jesus Christ. So, what are the characteristics? Well, here's the other little fill-ins there. Number one, they, they, underneath number one, they show compassion. Compassion is not an attitude, it's an action. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm really compassionate about people. Okay, good. What are you doing about it? Where do you serve? Who have you invited this week? Well, you know, it's just, it's just a heart thing. A heart thing? Compassion is not a heart thing. A compassion is an action. You can see kids that are hungry. You can see kids that are in need. Oh, I, I cry. I cry. Those poor little kids in need. That's not compassion. Compassion is you write a check and you help somebody. That's compassion. Compassion. Here's what the scripture says. Look at this verse. Dear friends, let us continue to do what? Love one another. For love comes from where? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Read this next line with me loud. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Man. Come on, John. That's a little hard. He says, if you don't love the lost, you don't know God. He said, if you don't love people that are lost and people that are around you, you don't even know God. You have fooled yourself. You're just like the Pharisees who get in, find a seat, sit down. All they want to do is criticize and be there, and it's all about them and not about other people. So they show compassion. Second of all, they cooperate with others. <clears throat> the Bible says... This man, this paralyzed man, was carried by four. They teamed up. Can you imagine if one of the friends said, come on, lay down here, uh, Hezekiah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you there. So they said, okay, I'm going I'm to drag you. But if he drug him there and he got there, he couldn't get up the ladder and he couldn't dig a wall. But it took four of them. It took four of them. It took four of them to pick that up. One on each corner. Maybe, maybe two could have got one on one side and one on the other. I don't know. I don't know how they would have made it up. But the principle is, it said, somebody, four men, grabbed the corner of that mat. It was teamwork. John Maxwell says, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. Someone said team, T-E-A-M, stands for, here it is, write this down. It's not in your notes. Write it down. Together, everyone accomplishes more. Together, everyone accomplishes more. 
Together, everyone accomplishes more. So the characteristics of a bringing team, number one, they care enough to get involved. Number two, they do whatever it takes. Say that with me. Do whatever it takes. Listen, we're going to do anything short of sin to reach as many people as we can for Jesus. It's a change of society. People are different than they used to be. And, and, and so we've got to figure that up. So we have a little technology. We do these other things. Not simply so we can be cute and all of those, but it's just simply the world we're living in. Verse 4, look at this. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. So they got there. The crowd was outside. And uh, so they looked around. Excuse me. Excuse me. Could, could we get through? We have a friend that's in need. Hey, stay back there. We got here early, you know. I was talking to a guy this week. He said, you know, I was a guest speaker at this church. And he said, I came in and I went and sat down at a seat. And he said, somebody came in about uh, five minutes after I sat there. And they said to me, that's my seat. That's where I sat. Uh, that's where I sat. So he said, I didn't say anything. I just got up and moved to the back. He said, then when it was time to introduce the speaker, they introduced me and I walked by. And when I came by the seat where the guy was there and he recognized who I was, he just dropped his head and never looked at me through the rest of the teaching. <laughs> Do whatever it takes. So they, I, roofs were flat back then. And you would go up on the roof to maybe recline in the afternoon. Sometimes people would sleep up there. There would always be stairs or a ladder to get up on the top. The roof was made of mud and dirt and manure. And grass would grow on top of that. So somehow, you got you got don't just read that and think, well, yeah, they just sort of shazam and they were up. No. They had to somehow take those four corners and hoist the guy up on this, the roof. And where'd they get the rope? I don't know. Well, when they got up there, they didn't have a shovel. So what did they do? Just sort of like dog crawling right through. Dirt, manure, everything else just going right through. Just, just right through. You know why? Here it is. That's the number B there is they were going to be persistent. They were going to be persistent. They weren't going to let anything stop them. Who is it that you've given up on? Who is it you used to invite to church, but you don't invite them anymore? Come on, let's do whatever it takes. Let's be persistent. Let's say it. Be persistent. So what do they do? Well, to, to do whatever you can, then you be persistent, and then you invest. That's the next word there, invest. We say around here, you invest and invite. Notice that you don't just invite, but you invest and you invite. Listen, when we talk about bringing people to church, it's not about a campaign to build the numbers at the Father's house, but it's about a rescue mission reaching people that are lost without Jesus, that we can show them unconditional love. I had one of my staff members this week say, Pastor, I'm so serious about this year seeing that somebody I can lead to the Lord. I realize I don't have many people, friends that are unchurched. 
So I'm volunteering in my community at a certain, certain place so that I can meet people that are unchurched because I believe that that's what he, Jesus wants me to do. He wants me to be involved as a team of getting people to Jesus. So who do you know that's not churched? Or have you become so, uh, in, in theology we call it redemption and lift, that you have been redeemed out of sin and you've been lifted to another place and all you basically know are other, other Christians. Folks, there's a world that's dying and going to hell. So I'm asking you this year, I'm asking the next 40 days to invest, begin to know, meet somebody that's unchurched, begin to make a difference because you're the Lord's agent to be able to reach them. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to invest in people, we have to be aware of the Pharisee within us. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you don't have any Pharisee in you. Maybe I should say, I see Pharisee. No, let's don't. Let's look at verse 6 through 11. But some of the teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, were sitting there, thought to themselves. So if they're going to sit there, guess what? They got there early. They got the best seat because all they could care about is themselves. But they didn't come to really hear about Jesus. They came to criticize, complain. Jesus knew immediately what they, and they, and they said, who can say forgive sins except God? Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Wow. So he said to them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, and, uh, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? In other words, Jesus said, I could say to him, your sins are forgiven you. But you'd say, well, I don't know that for sure. But he said, to prove it to you, I'm going to say, your sins are forgiven you. And now to prove that I have the authority to do that, I'm going to say to the man, rise up, take up your mat, and begin to walk. So I'll prove to you that I am the Son of Man, that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Wow. Pick up your mat and go home. You're not going to need it anymore. But what happens so often, we all have a little Pharisee in us. Often it's those who say they're closest to Jesus that are the very ones that keep other people from getting to Jesus. By our attitude, by how we look at people. Well, look at them. Look at all those tattoos, how they mark their body. Look at them, pants hanging down. I can see their plumbing Look at them. Look at, look at the clothes they're wearing. Look at their hair. Listen, you know what we're doing? It's a little bit of Pharisee in us. We're imposing our values on someone who hasn't yet signed up to be a Christ follower. But yet before we ever get them to Jesus, we're already prejudging them and putting them in a place. Why? Because there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us, and your list may be different than my list. Your list may not be tattoos. It may be something else. It may be the, the type of sin that they have. Listen, they haven't signed up. They haven't got to Jesus yet. Be careful that you don't turn your back to them by a critical attitude because they can not only hear your words, they can see your eyes.
I went to get some food yesterday, some couple salads for me and Anita. When I pulled through drive-through, there was a a young man that was becoming a, a woman. Somewhere in the process, he was. And he hands me my food. And the Pharisee in me thought, I don't want him touching my food. I'm not sure he even washed his hands. Boom, sitting right there. I heard the Lord say, Pharisee, just by the way that you looked at him or her, wherever he is or she is, you already prejudged. But maybe it's people like you that ran them out of church in the beginning. Maybe it's people like you that had no, you don't know how they've been hurt. You don't know where they are. The word is the word. But I'm talking about people that haven't signed up for Jesus yet, and we preconceive and have a critical attitude about what they are, and we're no better than the Pharisees. How can you tell if you're like a Pharisee? First of all, they were proud. Oh, we're the separated ones. Here's, here's the attitude of a Pharisee. Oh, we're the good guys. Those people out there, they're the bad guys. We have all the answers. They have all the questions. We have all the solutions, and they have all the problems. But a Pharisee doesn't do anything about sharing that. Also, a Pharisee's unloving. They, they didn't care about helping people. They weren't there for people. They didn't care for people, and they were hypocritical. Pharisees always have a list of rules, and then there's other rules that's God's rules. They don't even keep them themselves. And then they're joyless. I've never seen a Pharisee or a religious person that was full of joy. They're always against somebody. People that you work with, how do they view you? Oh, you're always against. I couldn't come to your church because I don't smoke. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't smoke. I smoke. I drink, you know. And I, I, if I came to your church, I, would, I wouldn't fit in. Why? Because have you made everything against? Jesus, has, Jesus wants us to share it with people. So they're uh, joyless. So we need to be persistent. We need to pray. Satan had blinded the minds of people. So sometimes we just gotta, we just gotta realize they can they can defend against a lot of things, but they can't defend against prayer. Come on, folks, let's let's remember. He said, "My house shall be called a house of prayer." Prayer is important. Prayer is critical. Critical. You can't just say, "Okay, I'm going to invite somebody, and we'll give them an invite card for Easter." No, we've got to pray. Lord, I'm praying that you'll show me the right person to invite, and I pray that you'll speak to their heart and open their eyes. So then what we're going to do is we're going to invite. That next line there under pray is that we're going to invite. B-A-F. We're going to bring a friend to church. We're going to give them an Easter invite card. The ushers are coming at this time to, uh, to pass down some buckets. And in those buckets, this is not for your offering, in those buckets are our Easter invite cards. They look really good this year. So reach in there, take a handful out, however they've got them. They've got them, rub, uh, they've got them quarantined with a rubber band. So give all those out next week, and we'll get you some more. It looks great. Look, join us for Easter at the Father's house, Sunday, April 21, 9 and 11 a.m. And on the back is the little uh, website, True Life, that answers hardest questions. Hey, uh, I want to give you an invite card to the Father's house. And by the way, if you have any questions, if you go to this truelife.org, uh, man, there's a lot of great, and go there yourself and see some of the things. There's a lot of great answers there. So there, I love what one businessman told me today. He said, I pulled all of my team in. And he said, I told them, 
I'd like to, I, I ask you guys to give 100% when you're working for me. And uh, I, I don't ask for much more. But I'm going to ask for one more thing. This Easter, I'd love for you to come to church with me. I really would love for you to come to church with me. In fact, the day before Easter is my birthday. And so the best present you can give me for my birthday is that you'd come to church with me. You'd come to church with me. I thought, it, it, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that what it's all about? To invite people, to invite people, to invite people. Statistically, the people who come to church and give their heart to the Lord are people that somebody has invited that somebody knows. The latest, the latest survey says that 80% of people who don't attend church say they would come if somebody would ask. But only 2% of the average Christian invites. But what if? You know, Easter changes everything, right? Easter changes everything. That's the new series I'm going to start on Easter. This one leads right into it, if you'll notice. What if? This changes everything. So what if this Easter was different? And you invested and you invited. Who is it that their eternity could change? Because we offer. We offer something that they can't find anywhere else. We offer good news. Say good news. We offer good news. Aren't you glad you heard good news? Not bad news, but you heard good news. And you say, what is that good news? Well, here it is. You're not an accident. God made you. He has a purpose, and he has a plan for you. You were made to last forever, to live with him forever in eternity. But he wants you to get to know him while you're here on this earth. He knows and he loves everything about you. And he wants you to know him and love him. So Jesus came to this earth so you could know what God is like. And he died on the cross to pay for your sins. You don't have to pay for them yourself. He wiped away all of your sins. They're all forgiven. Say forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And he gives you a purpose for the present. And he gives you a home in heaven for the future. Where else can you hear that kind of good news? Where else can you hear that kind of good news? So here are the characteristics of a bringing team. Number one, you care enough to get involved. Number two, you do whatever it takes. And number three, you grab a corner of the mat. You grab a corner of the mat. These men were examples of somebody that will come along and say, I'm going to grab a corner of the mat. There are other corners here. So what I'm saying today is, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, as the Lord speaks to you today, where on the mat are you going to grab? Where are you going to serve and help prepare for the people that are coming next week and on Easter? Who is it that you're inviting? Grabbing a piece of the mat. I can't invite your friends. I don't know who they are. But Jesus loves you enough. You work with them. You live in their neighborhood. And he loves you enough. Next week, you're going to hear a tremendous, tremendous teaching. You're going to hear a tremendous teaching about why do we give up on people? And what if somebody had given up on you? How many of you would raise your hand and say, I'm so thankful nobody gave up on me? Somebody. Somebody kept reaching. Somebody kept saying. Somebody kept saying. There's a place for you to grab on the corner of the mat. You know, they could have said this, like a lot of people justify things today. Well, you know, if our paralyzed friend wants to meet Jesus, just let him figure it out for himself. 
Maybe we don't say that, but by our actions, that's what we're saying. Some of us don't even know the, neighbor, the, the, the name of the neighbors in our neighborhood. People living right next door to us. Or they could have said, well, you know, it's just too much effort to get him to Jesus. Maybe Jesus will come by where he is sometime. Well, you know, it's just so hard to invite somebody. And well, I'll, just, I'll just pray that, that an angel will come to them and speak to them. Why would the Lord send an angel when he positioned you? He's going to send an angel to some of the people that don't rub shoulders with someone who is a Christ follower. Or they could have said, well, if we try to get him to Jesus, he might get mad at us. And that would hurt our friendship. And I don't want to damage our friendship. Well, you see, if, if I keep inviting somebody to church with me, then they may get mad at me. So, you just keep inviting them. Not like a Pharisee, but like somebody who cares. What if, what if the very next invite is an invite that they come to church with you, they surrender their life to the Lord, and they do more in their lifetime for Jesus than what you've ever done. But you see, you're part of their team. You were the one who kept inviting, 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 and inviting. What if? What if you'd have stopped one invite short? And they spend eternity lost without Jesus. Or maybe the guys could have said, you know, let's just face it. In this world, some people walk and some people are paralyzed. Maybe it's just God's will for him to be that way. But these four men, look at verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith. It was a team. Seeing their faith. Can you see them tearing up, tearing open the roof, getting enough so they can get down? All right, how much rope do we have? Well, let's let him down as far as we can. Dirt falling everywhere. They say, hey, it's all right. We'll, we got insurance. We'll fix your house. We'll, 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 it's on us. We'll pay the price. But just got to get my friend to Jesus. He can't get himself there. Maybe they're lowering him down and they say, how far can the rope go? I think maybe about four feet from the bottom. All right, we lower him as much as we can and then we just let him go. Boom. But Jesus looks up. Seeing their faith says your sins are forgiven. their faith the Lord is saying to you today grab a corner of the mat grab a corner of the mat look at these look at these next verses 2 Timothy 4 and 5 stand steady don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord read it with me bring others to Christ, leave nothing undone that you ought to do.
I, look at the results of this. Verse 12. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned outlookers, onlookers. They were amazed and praised God, exclaiming, read it with me, we've never seen anything like this before. I can just imagine this on Easter or next week. You don't have to wait till Easter. Some people that you've been inviting that the Lord forgives their sins, heals the lameness of their life, and they walk out of here that Sunday morning so changed, and people saying, wow, I never thought I'd see them come to church. I never thought I'd see them make that decision. That's just, that's just awesome. There's only one thing, the only one thing. It has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. Next week, some of you are going to invite somebody you're going to invite them. You're going to invite them. Not wait till Easter, but you're going to invite them. And I'm telling you, there'll come a time when they're going to give their heart to the Lord, and you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And people are going to be amazed at that. Our community is filled with people that are paralyzed. They're paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by confusion. They're paralyzed by sin. They're paralyzed by addiction. And God is saying, would you grab a corner of the mat and would you bring them to me? Would you do everything? Don't just sit back and be a spectator. Find a place from the prayer team to the, to the parking team, to the ushers, the greeters. They're fine a place. Bring people to me. I died for them. Not far from New York City in the cemetery, there's a grave and inscribed on the headstone is one word. It's the word forgiven. There's no name, no date of birth, nothing about their death. Doesn't have a lot of sculptures, art on it. There's no epitaph. No eulogy, just one word, forgiven. But isn't that the greatest word that any man or woman could have, forgiven? How about you today? It's not an accident that you're here. The Lord wanted you to know that he has a place for you to grab the mat. He wants to change your life today so that next week you can bring somebody that needs him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for people that didn't give up on us. We thank you, Lord, that you left heaven and you came to this earth to die for us. And Lord, I pray today if there's one person here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, or if there's one person who's been detached from their walk with you that today you would draw them back to you man I feel like the Lord is speaking to someone here today man he's just he's just softening your heart if you're here today and in just a minute I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you if today's the day for you to surrender your life to Jesus or to rededicate your life to him doesn't matter what anybody thinks or what anybody says. What it matters is, is that, imp that emptiness in your heart right now. Maybe you've even been coming to the Father's house for several weeks or months. 
But you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're not ready to meet the Lord. Heaven is not a default. You don't just automatically go there. But it's a choice that we make by accepting the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you've never invited him into your life and into your heart, would you raise your hand right now, make eye contact with me and say, that's me, Terry. Pray for me today. Or if you need to rededicate your life to him today, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for that honesty today. Others today, that's me. That's me, Terry. I, I'm, I'm that person today. I'm that person. I want to be sure that I'm ready to meet the Lord. If I'm not, I, I'm not assured of another day, another hour. What if this were your last opportunity to make that decision? The Lord's saying today is the day. Go ahead, raise your hand and make eye contact with me. I want to pray with you and for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such honesty this morning, such openness to the presence and the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you today for loving me, for caring for me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me. As best as I know how, I want to serve you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey friends, thanks for watching today. And I believe that today's teaching was life-changing for you. We prayed that way and we believe that it would. And so I just want to say in advance, thank God for how he changes our life through the power of his word. I would um, encourage you today that if you've never made Jesus the Savior of your life, the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you today and for you to make that decision. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That's what's so very important. So I'll pray a prayer and uh, you put your heart to it and you pray this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I could never get good enough to come to you in your holiness. But I know that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day to give me a new start, a new beginning. So today I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life. And as best as I know how, I wanna serve you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to walk day by day in your strength and your power. Man, I hope you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you call the church office or let us know that you prayed that prayer. I have a book that I'd like to give you that'll help you know the next steps to take. Uh, giving our heart to the Lord is not just something that we do to get the guilt or the bad feeling away, but it's a life change. It's new things that we start doing and the book that I wanna give you will help you in that. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to join with you in praying about those. And uh, if the Father's house and these teachings have uh, blessed you and you've benefited from them, would you consider supporting the Father's house? Uh, first of all, through prayer and encouragement. And second of all, through financial support. That's how we continue to keep our missionaries going. That's how we're able to keep these sermon series going out to you. And so if you'll just ask God what he would have for you to do, I would really appreciate it. So just remember, here at the Father's house, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And I 
I think you're going in the right direction. So I want to see you next week as you watch here from the Father's house as we bring you the word that will change your life.